0: Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Uh, this morning, in the uh, question and answer period, somebody uh, brought up the very legitimate uh, question of how to keep in mind all the instructions. (laughs) So many instructions. Be with the breath. Open up to sounds. Notice sensations. Pay attention to mind states. Notice thoughts. Be with intention. Notice impermanence notice Vedna. It's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> and Sylvia in her um, instructions this morning had her own, or uh, uses Ajahn Amaro's uh, very simple instruction. Just rest in the, in the natural peace and ease that is your natural peace and ease. Notice what disturbs you out of that natural peace and ease. Very nice. Another instruction. uh, It keeps it very simple. But I, um, I thought tonight I'd share with you my basic instruction, what all of those different possible focuses of our attention Uh, boil down to for me. Basically, what I say to myself, and sometimes to others, if they'll listen, what's happening now? Can I let my experience be just as it is, and Open to it with a relaxed, interested, kind awareness. No matter what is happening, that seems to to be a a basic attitude that um, you can use no matter what. Although, I, I should say that there are exceptions to, to that rule, too. Sometimes you don't want to be with just what is. As I mentioned in the last talk, sometimes it's not appropriate to stay with something when it's really difficult. If you're not able to let it be as it is and there's a struggle, then there are other alternatives. and I'll perhaps mention... Uh, a bit as we go into the talk, but I particularly wanted to focus on that last piece open to your experience with relaxed, interested, kind awareness. I know at the beginning of the retreat, um, Guy used three words starting with relaxed relax, observe, allow. So, um, how many people are using that these days? I know that was ages ago, but uh you know that's that's not a bad one to keep in mind either it It's really a very similar attitude, but i've been saying these three words to myself for uh many years, so i'll uh just uh, I thought i'd just focus on them as a talk, and since "relax is in there twice, you know there might be something to it. Um, relaxed awareness. Be at ease. The ease of well-being. Sounds good, doesn't it? Just be relaxed. We have to remind ourselves over and over, just relax, relax. Oh yeah, relax, relax. But it is so key... And you're looking at somebody who, uh, in earlier days of practice, and I valued this very much, I just was really going for it. I'm just imagining Sylvia right now thinking how in the earlier days where she she tells the story where we'd kind of be... Keeping guard uh, down at Yucca Valley or at other retreats, I'd stay up really late and be like, you know, one of the last people there. And Sylvia would come in really early and it'd be like the changing of the guard. You remember that, don't you? It was kind of a sweet connection. Um, actually, for many years, I've kind of changed it around where I get up really early, or it's if I'm in the groove and it's it's fun. But I was doing it from that. That place of you know, I want to make every moment count. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, it took me a while to see that you can have a, a really wholehearted intention in practice, and at the same time keep it keep it light. And in fact, it's uh, it's tremendously helpful and more supportive. Because in that ease of mind, as you let your mind open a bit, then you can see things more clearly. If there's a tightness at all in the mind, the contraction really works against you. Even with something like concentration, you might think, okay, if I'm going to get concentrated, I'm going to bore down and really get in there. And you can do that, but you know you might get a headache in the process and uh, that doesn't help. You can actually and what I've found in, in concentration even is to have the mind be very wide open and easy, spacious and just preferentially focus on a particular object whether it's the breath or whatever your anchor is, but not putting blinders on trying to block anything out. Just Lovingly, come back to the subject in the foreground. So, relaxation is a very helpful aid for concentration as well. But I want to focus it, uh, or focus, or talk a bit on some other aspects of keeping the mind relaxed as you practice this. It was once um, a Tibetan lama who came to Monday night, uh, Monday night, to give the talk. And uh, he said, um, "I listened to the talk on uh, tape in those days, was a while ago." And he said, um, "All of practice, I think, uh, can come down to two words." He had this is three words for me, he got it down to two words. And everybody was kind of leaning in seat, you know, to get the secret teachings. And he said, "Be spacious." Mm, oh yeah, be spacious, because in that spaciousness, not only do you see clearly but your there's room for your true nature to shine through uh, many years ago, this is in the sixties was the sixties or early seventies maybe there was this really great book it 's probably still around I think you can you can see it online, get it online. I know you can because i kind of looked it up, is this book called The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. Anybody ever read that? Great book. Very thin, too, which is <laughs> appropriate, right? You love those thin secret teachings, right? It's this guy, Thaddeus Golis. And he his theory was um, about freedom, that we are beings... Of expansion and contraction. That is the basic um, principle of life of the universe. Whether it's the tides, or or galaxies, or our being, we open in the morning. The flowers open to receive the sun, and then they, they, uh, the plants can shut down and, and protect themselves uh, in the evening. And we, as well, are subject to that same nature of opening and closing. But he said, if you look at the different mind states, mind states of expansion have to do with understanding, compassion, kindness, generosity. And beings who are open and expansive, generally, are um, ones you want to hang out with. Let's just put it that way and the beings who tend more to contraction, that are more dense and thick, that are protecting themselves from from the world around or feel like there's an adversarial relationship um, are um, creating a lot of misery for themselves. This corresponds very much to wholesome and unwholesome states. If you think of all the, the wholesome states kindness, generosity, compassion, equanimity, peace, calm. They're states of openness, mindfulness. They open to experience, and there's an ease that comes. Unwholesome states are states that tend to cause suffering, greed, hatred, delusion, jealousy, judgment, you know those guys. They're all contracted states. So as we open with a relaxed attitude, we're actually inviting wholesome states to uh, to unfold in us. Now, you might think the word relaxed means kind of laid back. But here's the, here's the trick. Relaxed doesn't mean lazy, even though the Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment uh, talked about it, about being open. My um, my basic attitude in practice is to combine a wholeheartedness of, of effort, a sincerity of effort, at the same time keeping it light, at the same time remembering patience, remembering sense of humor, remembering to be playful, that you can put your whole heart into it actually much more fully when there's an ease and a, a lightness of being. Sometimes we judge our how we're doing, how our effort is, by what it looks like on the outside Oh, I'm not so concentr- concentrated now. I must not be putting in enough effort. Hey, I'm really getting there now. You know, Let's turn up the jets. Now, there's something about turning up the jets if you can keep it light. But I know what it's like to do it the other way. Rather than judging yourself by what your practice looks like from the outside or what you imagine other people think it looks like, which often is just as important as what you think it looks like. If you get in touch with your sincerity of heart, that's a good barometer of effort. Even if what your sincerity of heart says is, okay, what's going to help me meet this moment right now? What's going to support me the most skillfully? Oh, It might mean just being a little bit softer. It might even mean, oh, going for a cup of tea, not because I'm playing hooky, but because this is going to give me some energy to, to come back fully. It might mean, okay, let's turn up the jets. It doesn't mean any one thing, but it's more getting in touch with your um, commitment to be here and wake up. But it can be done, it needs to be done in a very balanced way. I, I remember one uh, one uh, fall retreat in Massachusetts uh, many years ago, where I was just just really doing it, just slow. I get into the slow mode, the slow gear. And sometimes when it's going great, it's like you don't even want to go faster. It's it's painful to go faster. But this one stretch of time, it was getting. Starting to get a little bit heavy and grim, and uh, I hadn't been out. I hadn't taken a regular, a normal human kind of walk in about three weeks, and I was just getting (laughs) heavier and heavier and heavier. And it's like, whoa, okay, what's going on here? I think I need to just take a walk, and it was like, oh, I'm going to play hooky. And besides which, I wasn't even, I was stopping. uh, My mindfulness was just, my mind was just bouncing all over the place. I couldn't stay on the object. I said, this isn't useful at all. Let me just take a normal walk like a normal human being. Okay. So I put on my coat. It was snowing outside and I hadn't been outside and, and put on my boots and all. And I said, I am not going to be mindful. So there, because okay. <laughs> I wasn't anyway. So I'll just kind of yeah. give myself. All right, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna try not to be mindful. <clears throat> <laughs> it was one of the most memorable walks I've ever had. I, it's just like it was yesterday. Mm. Putting my boot in the snow and hearing the crunch and walking fast trying not to be mindful. (laughs) Left, right, left, right. Sniffling, hearing, crunching. Left, right, left, right. Noticing, thinking, left, left, right. The whole 45 minutes, I couldn't turn the noting off in my mind as soon as I stopped trying to be present. It was really valuable. I just needed some space. I needed to just take a break and lighten up. So, the thing is, uh, it does take effort to get here. There's no doubt about it. You know, if you come into a sitting and say, well, if I'm mindful, I'm mindful. If I'm not, I'm not. Um, (laughs) Who cares? Chances are, it'll be more the latter. Unless you've been like that, holding, up, trying, 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 and then relaxing. But it takes some effort and willingness to just bring yourself back each time you see you've gone. That's all. Oh, come on back. That's all you can do. That's your end of the deal. But once you're here, I think uh, Sylvia was saying this this morning, where somebody said it recently. Once you're here, any kind of doing, any kind of extra doing, any kind of trying to squeeze more out of the moment, and you're missing it. You're adding something extra onto it. When you're really here, what to do but just allow yourself to be? Oh, how easy. And it's finding that balance between bringing yourself back whenever you see you've gone And then just letting yourself rest when you're quite connected, letting yourself rest, be relaxed with interest and kindness. And I'll get to those in a in a moment. One of the radical revelations for me in practice a number of years ago, you know, I tried so hard to control my experience, tried so hard to be a good yogi, a good boy, (laughs) to be really mindful, to be really concentrated, and one day it hit me, I don't know why it took so long, I have no control over how concentrated or mindful I am. Can you walk into this room and say, I am going to be mindful from beginning to end. This is going to be a concentrated sitting. I know I'm going to make it happen. If you can, I'd like to talk with you later and find out what goes on for you. Sometimes if you're in that groove, then you know and you're not fighting it and there's a kind of trust and it's just kind of happening on its own. But you're more... For me, it's like I'm more just kind of witnessing with amazement. Oh, how cool this is. Oh, how wonderful. And I try not to do anything to mess it up by trying too hard, but just enjoy it while it's here. But the fact, when it occurred to me, I don't have any control of how mindful or concentrated was such a relief, because then it wasn't up to me to have the perfect sitting. The one thing that I do have control over, which as it turns out has a direct effect on how mindful or concentrated one is. Not linearly, but there is a correlation. The one thing I have control over is my willingness, as I mentioned a moment ago, my willingness, my sincerity to be here as best I can and when I see I've gone to come on back that's it. if you can figure out anything beyond that let me know because when you are gone you're gone you might be gone for five seconds five minutes twenty minutes you are gone not much you can do about it but the moment that you realize you've been gone that's where you've got a choice commonly, oh darn it, there I was gone. Let's get back here and do this right. <laughs> you know? Well, you can hear the judgment and the frustration and the discouragement and agitation that comes in that. And basically what you're doing with a little bit of awareness thrown in is cultivating judgment, frustration, <laughs> discouragement, and agitation. So I wouldn't recommend that one. You you get no bonus points for beating yourself up. A second very common response, oh, I've been lost in thought, but this is a very interesting thought. Let me just go with this one for a little while. And you'll have bitten the bait, gotten hooked, and be gone for another five seconds, five minutes, 20 minutes, you're gone. So all you need to do is to, when you see you've gone, instead of feeling discouraged, Appreciate that you've just woken up. You finally come back to the moment. Why spend your time beating yourself up for where you've been? Ah, here I am. How wonderful. And allowing that return to be done with great kindness, great patience, and a sincere intention to be here again. Then, every time you've gone, is an opportunity to practice patience, kindness, sincerity of heart, presence. So it's all in the way you bring yourself back. That's what you've got some input. And to do it with a relaxed, easy attitude makes all the difference in the world. What's happening is out of your control. But to meet it, to open to it with that relaxed attitude kind attitude makes all the difference. This is Ajahn Sumedho. Sumedho. Whether things are not going so well or well, if we're not accepting the way things are, then the mind tends to be creating some form of misery. So if you're attached to things going nicely, then you'll start worrying about them if they don't go so well, even when things are actually going well. We're not here to become anything or get rid of anything, to change anything or to make anything for ourselves or to demand anything, but to awaken more and more, to reflect, observe, and know the truth of things. So how to have that relaxed attitude when you see your mind going all over the place? For me, the key is... To not take it personally, your mind is not so different from other people 's minds. If you have the idea that everybody is here sitting like a Buddhist statue and just crystal clear and you 're all over the place, uh, you might kind of readjust that line of thinking that 's one thing that 's helpful to sit on interviews you know one person after another often it can be like sometimes 3 or 4 people in a row come and say i am my mind is so busy you know it's it's busier than everybody else's you know i know i'm really off the charts you know and then the next person comes in and says the same thing and the next it's so common don't take it personally you are exploring the nature of the mind as far as the mind states that come and go we can get really attached To clarity. So there you are. Joseph uh, tells the story Deepama once said to him, "Um, You know, you should do a two day sit. He said, Yeah. She said, No, I don't mean practice for two days, I mean sit (laughs) for two days. (laughs) Just sit without getting up. He laughed, you know, he uproariously. And uh, she said, uh, don't be so lazy. (laughs) (laughs) And then she said, I think you might be attached to clarity. If you're going to sit for two days, you're going to go through everything, right? and probably not going to be crystal clear. So there you are, and you are either nodding, or you're foggy, or you're all over the map. I'm not just talking about a two-day sit. I'm talking about maybe a typical afternoon sit, whatever your rhythm happens to be. And it can be so easy to think, "Oh, God, I'm just not clear. This is not a relaxed attitude, and this is taking it personally. I should have control over this. If instead you can just notice... Oh, it's really foggy now. Oh, I'll just be foggy Buddha. Oh, all right. You're doing the best you can. Oh, I'll just be angry Buddha right now. Oh, this is freaking out Buddha. (laughs) It's somehow holding it in a bigger space where you're not that thing. The awareness creates the space that any mind state is just doing its dance inside. It's more your relationship to the experience that determines if there's an ease, not what's happening inside. One of the things that's really important to keep in mind, to keep this relaxed attitude, is to not get into figuring out what's happening. Why is this happening? You ever ask yourself, why am I in that state? Why can't I get out of it? Watch out for the word why. It is a very dangerous word in meditation. Especially if it's said with that intonation why can't I? Now if you can ask oh why? What goes on? And just listen for the response. That's a bit different. But why in the figuring out mode is very painful. This is a uh, A note that uh, I love to read from somebody who was was on her first retreat she was really giving herself a hard time and then she finally got it And she said the one thing that's indelibly in my brain is finally getting you don't have to figure it out that would never have ever registered in my brain as an option before and then yesterday I was walking and struggling in my mind thinking round and round and this voice came into my head that said You don't have to figure it out. And I stopped and closed my eyes and asked myself, what is true right now in this moment? And what was true was the rising and falling of my breath and various body sensations coming and going. And the rest will balance itself out in its own time, I thought to myself. And I resumed my walking. What a revelation. Notice if you're trying to figure things out. Notice if you're getting contracted in there. Lighten up. Just, you know, this one. I remember this one time in my uh, uh, my jukebox in my mind. I'd gotten very, very heavy, and all all of a sudden the Jackson Brown "Eagle Song," uh, "Take It Easy," came into my mind. You know, lighten up while you still can. Don't even try to understand. You know. yeah. Oh, man, it was like the sky opened up. Uh, that was very... It, it dramatically changed this heaviness that I was going through for quite a while. The way I think of it, the relaxed attitude, is really a matter of trust. You're tr- struggling, trying so hard, and then you just see, oh, you don't have to do anything extra. The the image that I like is uh, like when you're learning to swim, right? First, somebody puts you in the water and you're flailing about and about to go under, and they say, "Relax." You say, "Relax, I'm going under here." Right? And then after a while, you know, maybe you kind of get the idea. Oh, I can tread. Oh, amazing. Oh, this is much better. And then when you really allow yourself to trust and stop doing anything ah, floating the water can hold me up it could have supported me all this time oh yes and then once you know it then you can trust you can float anytime we're learning to go from flailing to floating and you can trust in your own sincerity and that the Dharma is unfolding just as it should. Mm. Let's see. Time is going on. I'll just read this one passage. I like. This is Nyoshal Kempo. Mm. Whatever practice path we find ourselves on, be it Zogchen, Vajrayana, Theravadan, or another spiritual path, if we have a perfectly wholesome attitude and a spacious and tolerant mind, then our practice is really Buddhist practice. It is in line with practice that really blossoms and unties the mind. So, relaxed attitude... An interested awareness. The other night, Gil, uh, Guy gave the talk on the first awakening factors, and that's what this is the factor of investigation, the factor of rapture, or joy is often translated as a keen interest in the object. It's fun. Meditation can be fun if you let yourself be like a little kid, you know, like Jesus saying, "What's the line? Except you be converted as children, you won't, you will not know the kingdom of heaven." If we can get back to our real innocence, that lets go of knowing anything, you know, beginner's mind, as Suzuki Roshi says, and just, say, and just is looking, what is going on right now? Let's check it out. That interest is really the key to effort because as you pay attention, as you bring your attention to the moment to take a look, if it's interesting, you want to take a look. and The more interesting it gets, or the more you take a look, The stronger the mindfulness, the more you see, the more interesting it gets, the more you want to pay attention. But if you say, oh, I don't know, this is not worth it. It's a little bit boring. um, And you take a break, or you take a lot of breaks, not because the relaxation is supporting you, but just because it's hard at the beginning to, to keep your... Uh, your willingness, your commitment up, then the mindfulness doesn't build, because continuity is really a key, and the momentum doesn't get a chance to get stronger. And when the mindfulness isn't strong, then things are harder to see, it's not quite as interesting, and it just goes in that spiral. But if you can let yourself become interested, even pretend you're interested, at the beginning, it might take a little bit of a, a game to pretend that you're interested. I, when I was in college, my, uh, I went to a high school in New York that was a, a pretty rigorous high school with some, a bunch of friends, and then we uh, a number of us went to college together, uh, queen's College, and this one of my my, best, my closest friends. we had almost exactly the same. Uh, grade point average in high school, which was wasn't bad. It was like 88.4, something like that. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> but I had friends that were like in the 90s. But I didn't. I didn't really go for it because if I really went for it, what if I didn't make it? But when we got to college, something happened, and my friend Joe. Just took off, graduated summa cum laude, and is now a professor of philosophy for the last 30 years in, uh, univer- in University of Iowa, Iowa State, the winner names, and uh, it was amazing. And it, it, I, I didn't ask him until the very end, unfortunately, of of our career. I said, you know, how come we were just about the same in high school? What, how did you get to be such a super student? And he said, well, this is what I did. I figured, you know, I'd take a a course in statistics or something that seemed really dense and maybe boring. I figured, I said to myself, what is there about this course that this professor is devoting his life to, or her life to? And I want to find out why they think it's so interesting. And I do that for the first few weeks of the course, until I kind of picked up the lingo and the way that it kind of worked. And after a while, it actually did become interesting. I said, gee, I should have asked you this before graduation. (laughs) But it's a lot like that as we come to the meditation. You think in, out, in, out, you know, big (laughs) deal, breath. We just had one a moment ago. You know, what's nothing going to be new. But if you start to look with interest and even trick yourself at the beginning, the effort to be present, relaxed effort, but effort with interest, let's check it out. The mindfulness becomes stronger and then things become more interesting. For a moment, close your eyes. Sometimes... It means playing a little game with yourself. Just imagine you're about to take your very first breath, coming out the chute into the world. (laughs) (laughs) How present can you be for your first breath of your life? this first moment. Are you here for it? Here it is, your first breath. Now just imagine, we're going to go very quickly through a, long, a longer guided meditation. Imagine you're at the end of your life and you're about to take your last breath. Is it interesting? How present can you be, this in-breath and the last out-breath? Can you let go? Can you be here for it? Just notice. Now let go of past and future and notice this breath, which has never been here before and will never be here again. Can you be here for this one? Do you pay attention? Sometimes I find it helpful to, as I say, make it like a game, make it fun. It's so much easier to pay attention when something is interesting or fun. I sometimes use the uh, perspective that I'm an alien that's just landed on planet Earth in this human body reporting back to the mothership. This is what confusion is like for these people, okay? (laughs) Oh, this is what breathing is like. Oh, here is freaking out again. Okay. (laughs) Just as if I've never seen it before. And it's kind of fun to do it that way. Play around, make it a game. If things are boring, you know, Fritz Perl's the gestalt, father of Gestalt psychology said, Boredom is really lack of attention. And it is. There's a lot going on that we just say, boring. Take a look at boredom. It can be really fascinating, actually. What's going on? There's perhaps maybe some restlessness. Maybe there's some aversion. Maybe there's some wanting things to be different but we kind of cover the whole thing up and just say, boring, not worthy of our attention. Really, this is a very um, powerful point in practice. In fact, I remember once I was uh, at a talk given by Trungpa Rinpoche, the great crazy wisdom teacher um, who was founder of Naropa Institute I went to for a number of summers at the start in my practice, and he came in. He would usually come in like about an hour, an hour and a half late. You know, that was kind of... That was on time for him, right? And he'd kind of limp in. He had a limp, and he'd sit down with his big carafe of sake and all and proceeded to, to talk. But he always came out with something that was amazing. I learned a lot being around him, right? And this one talk... He comes in, and he says, uh, well, tonight I'm going to teach you about the real breakthrough in practice. And everybody was like, oh, yeah? Oh, he's going to finally give us the goodies. right?" And then he proceeded to meander and ramble on for the next, like, hour and a half... And just kind of like, you know, when is he going to end? You know, <laughs> and in mid-sentence, he leans into the microphone and he says, the real breakthrough is boredom. Uh, it was brilliant. It, it was really brilliant. He said, if you're waiting for something really good to happen, really worthy of your attention, really entertaining you miss the point of practice. It's not about waiting for a peak experience. It's about being here right now. And that is guaranteed to make this moment not enough. The real breakthrough is boredom. If you can get underneath that and see every moment is worthy of your attention, then you're really doing practice. And you might have this attitude, you know, who wants to be interested, you know, now I have to do this, now I have to do that. Sometimes people have the attitude like, you know, you're kind of slogging through and everything is an effort. I remember on uh, a retreat here, um, one, uh, one yogi uh, who I, I'm still in touch with now, uh, she saw her mind, everything was a wine Everything was a complaint. Everything was tedious. Oh, now I have to do this, and now I have. She came into one interview. She said, "I can't believe my mind. Everything is just such a drag. Now I have to do. Now I, the bell rings. Oh, now I have to walk. You know, <laughs> and then it rings again. Oh, now I have to come back to a sitting. You know, and then it rings for lunch. Oh, now I have to eat lunch. You know." And she said, I can't believe my mind. It's just so, you know, it's so disgusting. (laughs) And I, uh, we came up with this little, little flip. I said, well, what if instead of telling yourself now you have to, you just say, oh, now I get to walk. Oh, now I get to go back to sit. Now I get to eat lunch. Now I get to fold the laundry, you know. She said, "All right, I'll try it." Well, she came in so happy. For the rest of the retreat, and actually, I met her months later in uh, in Berkeley, and she said, "I get to do my life, you know. <laughs> it's just an attitude of mind." And she's—I just saw her actually in the family. Emily Day a couple of uh, weeks ago with, with her, her, her young child. She wanted so much, and she just was, was glowing. I don't know if that was the turning point, but it certainly was a huge piece, not fighting with life, but seeing, oh, we're only here for a little time, why not be here for it and check it out? Somebody asked uh, uh, Nisargadot, uh, there was a dialogue in I Am That and uh, this guy was complaining about how tedious his daily life was. And the Sargadat Maharaj said, uh, you've done the most amazing thing. You've made life boring. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it, uh, it takes courage to be interested. I know it's not always easy. Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes the mind states are so overwhelming or the physical condition is so challenging that it's hard to muster up some interest. It's hard. But you've got two choices. Either wish it were different or find some way to relate to this moment, particularly if it's fear that's holding you back. Just know you have the courage that it takes to explore. And if you feel like it's too much, we'll get to, hopefully we'll have enough time, for the last part, a kindness, a compassion that says, no, this is too much, not time for that. But I want to read this poem. I read it last night this new, from this new book. Uh, by Dana Foltz, From Root to Bloom, it's called, um, where, and this is called Maybe Not. She says, Begin somewhere. Take one deep, Take one deep breath and dive. Plunge into the core of your most persistent fear or your greatest joy. Grow comfortable with the act of exploration. Well, maybe not comfortable, but confident of your ability to be sure-footed on slick rocks, steady while the winds gust. Well, maybe not entirely confident, but willing to set out despite persistent doubts, breathing your way into whatever you are facing. Well, maybe not even all that willing, but you take it anyway, that first step into the unknown. Courage is starting where there is no secure outcome, no sure result. The secret is you can begin again at any time. Take one deep breath and dive. As we find the courage to explore our experience, if we're, we have that capacity to, and we take a look and see, wow, this moment of life has never happened before. It is really a step of love. You're falling in love with your life. And you can practice it at, at any moment. Interest. How is it that we're interested in anything? Isn't it amazing? You know, We could have just been going around like automatons or amoeba or ants doing their job. I don't know, maybe ants aren't very fascinated with what they're doing. <laughs> but it seems that, that we have some, this capacity to really take a look and check out and even be aware of ourselves, that we can really wake up to life and see, oh, what is going on? You ever get into that space, wow, I'm alive. Isn't that amazing? How the heck did that happen? So that brings us, that interest, that love, brings us to the last one, the kind awareness. Metta. Meeting the moment with a kind awareness. You are merging metta with vipassana. You are bringing a friendliness to the moment. It doesn't mean that necessarily you like it. Oh, yes, I love my pettiness. You know. Oh, I love my confusion. But you're, like Sylvia often says, you're not contentious with your experience. That's, that's a meta uh, attitude. You can be friendly with that. You know? As the Dalai Lama so beautifully puts it. My religion is kindness. All the other stuff can can follow from that. But to have a kind attitude towards what you see, towards the moment and towards what you see in yourself, that's the key. There's this line uh, Robert Bly has. He says, every part of us that we do not learn to love will become hostile to us. It makes sense when you think about it. Oh, I don't like this. Oh, I don't like whatever it is. My body, my personality, my flaws, whatever. And that becomes what you focus on. So you need to to bring a kindness to everything you say. And it takes everything you see. It takes patience. It's not going to happen overnight because the condition responses have been practiced for a whole long time. The Third Zen Patriarch says, to live in the highest realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. To live in this realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. That's freedom. If you think that perfection is when freedom happens, you'll never get it. Never. How can you be, bring kindness to your body that's hurting so much or that sometimes is, is just really challenging, really putting you through, through a lot? Well, you can be angry at it or you can appreciate that it's doing the best it can. Healing will not happen from contraction and anger. It won't happen from blaming your body or blaming yourself. It comes from seeing, okay, how can I make my heart big enough to hold this? Or if it can't, what do I need to do to take care of myself while I'm going through this hard one? I was speaking to somebody uh, here on the retreat who was really having a hard, a hard time uh, with uh, her back that had spasmed and was, was very, very painful. And the whole, the whole reality was about how unpleasant things were. He we said, well, what would happen if you just maybe noticed some things that were pleasant are there any pleasant moments in there? We were sitting by the fire, and, and she said, well, let's see, I feel the warmth of the fire. And that feels nice. Oh, yeah, no, that feels good. As I let myself feel good, there's a kind of warmth and energy coming up through my body. And I said, why don't you practice noticing the moments that aren't unpleasant? Yeah. Noticing the pleasant moments. And she just wrote me a note saying, you know, it's amazing as you have your radar out for the good. There's a real kindness there. You're taking a break from from the difficulty. It doesn't mean that you're ignoring it. You're just getting enough space. And if you find yourself really giving yourself a hard time because all the ways that you don't measure up, you might remember, as we do in the metta practice, all your noble qualities. This is... Uh, this passage I love from uh, Jack's book, The Art of Forgiveness, Loving-Kindness, and Peace. He says, In the Babemba tribe of South Africa, when a person acts irresponsibly or unjustly, he's placed in the center of the village, alone and unfettered. All work ceases, and every man, woman, and child in the village gathers in a large circle around the accused individual. Then each person in the tribe speaks to the accused one at a time each recalling the good things the person in the center of the circle has done in his lifetime. Every incident every experience that can be recalled with any detail and accuracy is recounted. All his positive attributes, good deeds, strengths and kindnesses are recited carefully and at length. This tribal ceremony often lasts for several days at the end the tribal circle is broken a joyous celebration takes place and the person is symbolically and literally welcomed back into the tribe that's a nice tribe to hang out in isn't it <laughs> we need to do that with ourselves instead of beating ourselves up and say oh this is wrong with me and that's wrong with me and that notice all the things that are good in you that spaciousness, that kindness, allows for you to see and access that part that really is rooting for your happiness. I, I, I might have mentioned it the last talk. I, I, I don't remember. I did just, uh, bears repeating again, that you all, we all want to be happy, right? Every one of us wants to be happy. Did I talk about this last time? Huh? I didn't, I Anybody here doesn't want to be happy? That means, in every single one of us, there's a place that is really rooting for our well-being, really wanting us to be at ease. And this is simply accessing that place, and the way we access it is with kindness, not with scolding. Accessing that place that really wishes for our well-being and empowering it, and it comes alive through kindness. Metta, being kind with yourself, being kind with the moment, seeing who you really are, because when you see who you really are, it's quite good news. This is the Buddha He says, Luminous is this mind, brightly shining, but it is colored by attachments that visit. This unlearned people do not really understand and do not cultivate the mind. Luminous is this mind, brightly shining, and it is free of the attachments that visit it. This, the noble follower of the way, really understands, and so for them there is cultivation of the mind. That's who you really are when you get beyond that unkindness there is a Buddha inside. That's the idea. And there's a place inside of you, no matter how hard things are inside, that wants to bring compassion, that can be very tender with what we see. This is what we're trying to cultivate, simply by bringing relaxed, interested, and kind awareness to the moment. Mm. I'll end with one one more Dana Fols poem. Awakening now. Why wait for your awakening? The moment your eyes are open, seize the day. Would you hold back when the beloved beckons? Would you deliver your litany of sins like a child's collection of seashells prized and labeled? No, I can't step across the threshold, you say, eyes downcast. I'm not worthy. I'm afraid. My motives aren't pure. I'm not perfect, and surely I haven't practiced nearly enough. My meditation isn't deep, and my prayers are sometimes insincere. I still chew my fingernails, and the refrigerator isn't clean. Do you value your reasons for staying small more than the light shining through the open door? Forgive yourself. Now is the only time you have to be whole. Now is the sole moment that exists to live in the light of your true self. Perfection is not a prerequisite for anything but pain. Please, oh please, don't continue to believe in your disbelief. This is the day of your awakening. So, let's sit for a moment. Meet the moment with a relaxed, interested, and kind awareness. sitting in another half hour one more thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate